Welcome to a new episode of the Cartridge Club, where we discuss our game of the month with members of the Cartridge Club community. If you've played along, you can always share your own experiences in the forums at cartridgeclub.org or in our community's Discord or across social media by using the hashtag PlayAlongWithPrime. Hello, everyone. It's Rocket Sauce, and I'm back to host for this month, where the Cartridge Club played The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Joining me on the show, we have community members Jake from Polykill, Chris from Flock of Nerds, and the mighty Q-Dog himself. Now join us as we look back on this Nintendo 64 classic. Yeah, I'll just start by saying, you know, after this game came out in 1998 and I just played, you know, played it again for the Cartridge Club. And even still now to this day, this is still my favorite game of all time. Now, I don't want to push this bully people into saying, oh, you know, I I thought this game was okay. It's fine. It's your opinion. But I still love this game. All these little reminders after playing this game, like uh, walking up the stairs to fight Ganon for the final battle was like, it still brings back great memories for me, and uh, it's it still plays great. Like I know some people have their gripes about that Nintendo 64 controller, but to me that this game was so well designed for it that I think plays great with the Z targeting and lining up the items on the C buttons. It it just feels great to me. And um, and maybe it has to do with this being like the first. I, I wouldn't say it's the first Zelda game I beat. Um, actually, it was the first Zelda game I beat, but it wasn't the first Zelda game I played. I, I remember as a kid thinking the original was too intimidating, not knowing where to go. All of a sudden, you only have three hearts, then you're dead. And I, I coming from Mario, where you just go from you know left to right, and then you're at the end of the screen. It was much easier to follow what the original Zelda was just a little too complicated for me. But by the time Ocarina Time came out and all the hype that was for it, I decided to give the Zelda franchise another go. And I fell in love with this game. Uh, I remember a bunch of buddies in grade school got it. And this is a time when you could do a three-way conversation on the phone. So I remember that was kind of a big deal in getting a couple of buddies on the phone and saying, where are you at? Hold up. I'm not there yet. And we just feel like not want to spoil it for each other. It, is my favorite game in the series so i don't know that's just some of my just overall thoughts jake what do you what are you thinking of uh when you think of ocarina time i mean i i think for me it it, it's easily in the conversation for where what i would consider one of the greatest games of all time and one of my favorite for sure i think i was you know um probably similar i got it really close to release i don't know if it was release day but my sister and i played it I think we beat it the first weekend that we got it. We stayed up like all night, two nights in a row, just, you know, nonstop playing that game. And I think what I remember most about it, like even now, is just some of the really inventive mechanics that I just hadn't experienced before. You know, it was a a 3D semi-open world. You know, it was kind of zones or regions, but you could just kind of go anywhere you wanted. And you had this targeting mechanism, which I still think is one of the 
a massive innovation that still continues to now. Yeah, just the just the magic of the game. Like it's just I don't know, the great characters, the great level designs, the temples. I mean, I know we'll get into all of that, but like I'm just um yeah, just really great memories and I, I do think it is my favorite in the series. I've beaten a few others. I don't you know, nostalgia obviously plays a big role in that, but for me it's uh yeah, just just one of the best. Easily. Yeah. Uh, Ocarina of Time was probably why I bought a Nintendo 64 and we had played kind of as a family, but me, they all watch me play, but my mom and my dad were pretty into watching other people play video games when I was a kid. So we played through the original Legend of Zelda. The second one was hard. Everyone knows the second one's hard and I could get kind of to the end, but then my dad would kind of play the, the very end of it. And uh, then we got the third one, and that was like two weeks of just sitting in front of the TV with the family playing this game while my mom was like, get that ruby! Get that ruby over there! It was it was amazing. I have no problem with the controller. I don't know, I, I guess some people have a problem with the controller, but it's perfect for that game. And uh, yeah, sure, the Z targeting, all of that stuff. But the world, the world that you could run around in, going and just getting lost for hours in like one part of the world, trying to figure out what this part was about. Uh, the atmosphere that the game built, it was just, it is my favorite game of all time. It's, you know, rose colored glasses. Now you, it's it's not, maybe when I went back and played it on the 3DS, it wasn't as uh, engrossing as it was the first time I played through it. But the story, the characters, just a fantastic time, and uh, and yeah, it it's my favorite game too. Okay, well, this was my first time playing this, and uh, I guess it's been about twenty two years or so since the game came out. And I was aware of it in ninety eight. I didn't get my play, uh, Nintendo sixty four until a few years later, and I bought the game. I actually bought the game about a week before I got my Nintendo, and and then I never touched the game until the Cartridge Club said uh, we're going to do Ocarina of Time. And I said, oh, good, I can finally get this thing off my backlog because I've been using it as a blockage. It's been blocking every other Zelda game after it that I wanted to play because I thought I really have to play Ocarina first, right? That's the one that kind of set the standard for everything that came after it. Um, up until this point, I had only played NES, Zelda, the first one, and A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo. And I don't know if playing it 20 years after the fact changes anything or not. You guys have talked about the Z-targeting and all the innovations. What I saw was just a really polished and excellent game. I, I don't know that I was blown away by any of this stuff. Uh, to be honest, I struggled a little with the, a little bit with the Z targeting. Sometimes I could get it to work. Sometimes it's like, why isn't this thing latching on? But it was a very well done game. And when I first saw it, I was kind of looking at the map and thinking, okay, well, this isn't going to be a very big game, right? There's there's not much here, right? There's this big field, but then there's just these little areas. But it's it's a huge game for for uh, for the cartridge, and um, there's a lot there. there. There's a lot of stuff there, and it's just it's really well uh, really well done, and, and I really enjoyed it. And it's been a long time since I played the other Zelda games, so I don't know how I'd rank it against a Link to the Past. But I don't know if it's recency bias or not. But it, it's it's definitely up there, and I, I really enjoyed um, some frustrations, but I really did enjoy uh, this game, and I can. I don't know if it's my favorite game of all time, but I can certainly understand why it is people's favorite game of all time. 
I think it also has to do with, you know, granted this game came out over 20 years ago. And if someone like you can play it today for the first time and still find it fun, oh, I still yeah. think that kind of puts its merit as why it's a good game or a great game in people's eyes. Because imagine this coming out way long ago. We have all these other games now that have probably taken lots of little bits and bites from this game as inspiration. There's, you know, horse riding. I, this first game I can recall, like riding on a horse, just like the temple designs and puzzles. It's, I think just, I know some people might not see it. Playing it today's time, it might not be your favorite game, but I think just the influences it's had over the last few generations of games has come a long way. It wasn't the first open world game, but it kind of like helped set what beats can be in an open world game if that makes any sense bringing up that memory chris that she had about getting it getting it around christmas time right or right around launch i i remember going on black friday and waiting in line because the hype was real for the game i think they were saying it was hard to get that year and there was two left at kb kb toys and we had to wait in the line to get there and they you know at the time kb toys had it behind the counter so you had to wait your turn you couldn't just get in holding your hands you had to wait and wait and hope that someone didn't do it and i think there was actually probably three because i believe our person in front of us probably 10 people in front of us got a copy and then you're just hoping and praying that that co other two copies no one takes and no one did got my copy and i then had to wait you know the following weeks until christmas until i could play it but yeah this is just, just some more memories i have from just this game so i remember it was big back then i mean i wasn't paying much attention but I, I there was a lot of hype for this game and i don't i don't know in 98 what that was like but i mean there were a couple of games i knew like final fantasy 7 which i think came out the year before but i remember there there was a lot of anticipation for this game you know and that's and that's another good point it's kind of um whatever your school was you know if you were team nintendo or playstation or even sega from that point in time i i kind of want to say that like that was your argument for why your console was better it's you know people who were playstation people said well we got final fantasy 7 and the people had nintendo 64 which the majority of my grade school was nintendo 64 from my class so it was kind of like the breaking rights this is our game you know so mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's interesting to think what that um we could compare that to now in terms of um, hype around the game or um, anticipation for a game, because I, I don't know, I, I wasn't like hugely tapped into um, to uh, video game marketing and communities at the time. You know, I was young, I was 14, I guess, but it was perfect. It's one of those things that I knew would be good because you obviously you grab a Nintendo power and you read the hype and, you know, they're obviously trying to sell it to you. It's Nintendo propaganda and I get it, but it was, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that just sear seared in my brain a little bit. It's it's my favorite game on that console for sure, and and of that generation easily. But yeah, it's it's fun kind of looking back at it from all these different perspectives because like I I was in a vacuum, like I saw a Mario sixty four in a Walmart, and I was like, that's awesome, I want to play that. And then after that, like I didn't really pay much attention to what other games were coming out and you know i wasn't there weren't websites that i was aware of so i just grabbed that one because it was a nintendo power and you know just blew me away after that yeah yeah the I, only time i ever cared about what a console if a console was better than another console was with the n64 
the N64 was my ride or die. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> still to this day for me, still to this day is for me. Yeah, I, I could not care about anything else that came after it. It's all about what I bought at the time and what had better games to me that I actually wanted to play, not necessarily better. But N64 was the one that I was like, oh, no, no, no. Willing to die on the blade for it. Yeah. <laughs> I still say PlayStation 1 is trash. Uh, it, gets people, it gets people upset. But uh, yeah. there's games I like on it, but it's just, you know, same wheelhouse. You know, when it comes to this games too, I guess we should talk a little bit about the story. For me, this was kind of learning Zelda's history too, as this one really was my dive into the franchise. So learning about the Triforce and how it splits off into three, was created by three goddesses that eventually formed it. Formed it and I don't know, I just, it was one of those things where you start off as a kid and I think the marketing was, at least what I remember commercials for it, Link was an adult the entire time in the pictures and the commercials I saw for it. So when it started off me as a kid, I'm like, what is this? And it's the last thing, you know, as a kid, well, I want to play as a kid. I'm like, no, 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 no. When, when do I get to be an adult here? And eventually by the time you get the three spirit stones and you unlock and you go to the temple of time, I remember like you finally become an adult. And you pull that sword out of the stone. I was like, yes, this is what I want. This is exactly yeah. what I want. And then that's when the game really felt like, all right, now we're going on an adventure. And we started, you know, start off as a kid and you have to go back and forth a couple times for, for side quests. But to me, when, when that happened, I was just like, this is what I wanted. But um, even that first zone, you know, the first forest zone when you're a kid and the game starts and all the way up to, you know, getting out of that forest zone, just the economy of that first zone, how much they do with like, as little as there is there like there's the jerk the bully mm -hmm. there's your friend there's a few like older forest people that are still kids regardless mm -hmm. but then like and and how far away that tree feels the the i don't remember oh, the name yeah. of it the, the great dooku tree Deku yeah Deku how, tree? how how it feels like it's in a separate area the whole place is so small and then like how they're able to develop the personalities of each of those characters with so little, like just uh, modern games, they like try to do so much. And like this does so much with so little. Yeah. Even, even the presentation where you see like queen, the, the first boss, right? In the Deku tree, that queen Goam, Goma, queen Goma. Goma yeah. Uh, and it's a little spider thing that shoots like frog creatures at you. And you have to target it with the eye and it's, the whole presentation, it, it, the battle doesn't start until you look up at the top of the, the screen, you know, and that's when it drops down and you have to fight it. The storytelling, you're, you're right, it's just a presentation. And then eventually, after you leave that forest, and then it presents Hyrule Field to you, it's kind of, it pre it's presented very, at the time, that was huge. Like, that was, like, this, yeah. this level is endless, you know, and... Now you see, you know, games today like Breath of the Wild, which is, you know, I don't know, let's say probably 20 times the size of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the game, I thought the game, what's the word for it? Expanded. It, it, it opened itself up in a very, in a very nice way. You know, people I've heard in the 20 years that the game's been out, people have been talking about, oh, the, the, the first time they get to Hyrule Field and there's this vast expanse, but even even with that, you know, I still felt that I kind of 
it was controlled. I kind of knew, um, okay, well, the castle is over here and I had to go find, you know, how to get up to Death Mountain and stuff. So I didn't, maybe I'm just not an explorer, but uh, the game opened up very nicely for me. Even though we got into this expanse of Hyrule Field, I still felt that there was some containment and I kind of knew where to go and I wasn't overwhelmed by uh, everything opening up. Yeah, that's actually my favorite kind of, of world design. Like, I, I, I don't mind a nice big open world, but I don't like something that's so overwhelming and, and jarring that I'm, you know, paralyzed. Yeah. Um, and I really think, you know, in, in, in maybe a bit of a leap, but I really do think God of War from a couple of years ago really built its world a lot like Ocarina of Time, where it's like, here's a big area you can go explore. It's not infinite. There, It's walled off but you kind of just know where to go. Mm-hmm. And then you move to another area that's of equal size, more things to explore, more things to do. It's not overwhelming. It's just parsed out and just kind of builds on itself like that. And I, I prefer that. And I think maybe Ocarina of Time is why. Yeah. Well, and there's also this, like, when you go to an area in Ocarina of Time, especially at the beginning, but even later on in the game, like you go to the water temple or you go to that fire. I don't remember which one was the second uh, boss, uh, the second big area in the kid part. I know the King, water one. Yeah, it's like King Dodongo, his, his yeah, cavern. Yeah, yeah, King Dodongo's cavern. Yeah, so yeah. you go into the cavern or you go into the fish and then you're there and it's very small. Like it's now you're in a cavern or you're in a fish. You know, you're in a small <laughs> confined area. And but then when you're done, you never have to go back, and the place just opens up again. And I really like that about uh, Ocarina of Time. You never have to go back to an area really once you're done with that area. There's no backtracking. Like I, I have come out of the fish. I had an adventure in the fish. Now I'm in the field again. Like it, it, it goes into itself. It goes small and then it goes big. And it has like really good beats that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. I agree. Now you can go back if you script going for Gold Skatulas. You sure. have that option, but you don't have to. That's a perfect, right. you know, perfect logic. There's no quest that makes me go back to a place to get five quests to go to another place and then makes me go back to, ugh. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 I guess I kind of prefer a linear experience a little bit more. I love the fact that this is an open world and I can do whatever I want. I can go, I can recall going back, and I've done this numerous times, but especially at the time when I was a kid and I didn't have many video games and I, w- I can just go fishing. You know, I could just go and fish and I would do that for hours because it was a game inside a game. I didn't have to go to the next temple, but hey, if I want to go kill some time, you know, if I just want to, I have an hour to play some video games, I'm going to go fish in, Ocar- in Ocarina of Time. And yeah. uh, I-, I love the fact that I know where to go next. I don't have to, but I know where to go. So it makes, I think, exploring more... I don't, I don't say enjoyable, probably, but like, I love not being lost. You know, it's, I know oh, yeah. exactly. I have to go to the mountains. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll go there. I know where the mountains are because I can clearly see where the mountains are. So, you know, um, you know, I, I really like that aspect of the game, uh, Ryan, what you were just talking about where, you know, there, there, to me, it's, it felt like there were two phases to the game. Right. So let's say, I know I have to go to this dungeon. Right. So I I'll spend and I'll embarrass myself. You guys maybe saw the stream. I'll spend a few hours in some dungeon, right? And you're doing that thing and you've got a goal and you got to beat the boss. And then you're done with the dungeon. And it's like, okay, well, I know where to go next, but I've got this open world. 
I can do all these other things like go fishing, go do the horse thing, play the mini games and do all that stuff. So I ping ponged back and forth between, okay, now I'm in a phase where I got to go do this dungeon. Now I'm in a phase where I can do all this extra stuff, like find bottles, find hearts, do, do whatever. And I found that really enjoyable. And part of it is because I knew that I knew where to go next. I was purposely or choosing to spend my time doing those other things, not just wandering around saying, okay, well, I don't know what to do next, so I'm just gonna do these things. So I found that an enjoyable back and forth uh, in the kind of game that I was playing at least. Uh, it's, it may just something that's a modern comparison. I know people, I, I love Breath of the Wild. It's a fantastic game, but it's very intimidating compared to Ocarina of Time because it's, it's, granted, it's, it's kind of more designed to like how the first Zelda game was where you can go anywhere. You just go anywhere and it doesn't matter what order you do it, but I, I kind of like having a direction, just knowing where to go. I, I, I don't know. And I guess that relates to the items because they want you to get these items in that order too. And so every, every, that should be a clue for newcomers to Ocarina of Time that. Um, whatever the dungeon item is, it's almost going to be the key to beating the boss. Like uh, getting the extended hook shot in the water temple is makes makes the boss fight against the Morpha, I think is what it's called, because you can just yank its whatever its core out of the water and then stab it. You know, as opposed mm -hmm. to letting it come and grab you, you can actually fight her. You know, prior to coming through, I, I think that's also a key to a lot of the game. Is you know, it's the clue. It, it gives you a lot of clues and watching. Watching you play it, Eric, and watching Lusty play it on your streams, it's kind of fun. I know I get excited because I've beaten this game like hundreds of times. So I'm like, no, what are you like when you were fighting the octopus on your stream in, in Jabu Jabu's belly prior to taking the elevator part? And I, I know it is. It's the boomerang because you have to get it, you know, from behind. You have to hit it on its backside. And oh, I yeah. just know to get it to stop and spin, you have to hit it for the boomerang. And I'm trying to give Melissa oh, hints to give you hints to, to know what you got to do here because I've beat it hundreds of times. But, you yeah. know. Uh, it's fun seeing it, you know, seeing people beat it other ways. Because there's ways that I never knew you could beat stuff in this game. So seeing something like on Musty Stream using the the, the Deku nuts against Ganon in the final form or something like that. It's you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, like or I've seen people use an empty bottle against Ganon's light attack too. That's another light attack. It's it's oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, these little things like that right. that actually can that you can beat this game multiple ways, which is kind of it doesn't handicap you, but it's just, I think, neat that it's your up to your preference of how you want to play the game. Let me, can I comment on that? Because I'm going to... So you're absolutely right. And I actually watched some videos after the fact about people beating bosses. And um, it took me a while to learn that you, the dungeon item is, is a good a hint about what you should do. But the bosses did have a lot of different ways to beat them. But one thing that I found myself feeling like, at least when I played this game, and this is sort of contrary to that, is I often felt like I was playing an adventure game in, in, in the sense that, and what I mean is those old LucasArts adventure games, because there were a yeah. lot of places in the game where there were puzzles. And this is kind of a theme that I might come back to, is how much of a, a puzzle game I felt like this was, or an adventure game. There were times where I felt like the game was overly constrained in the kinds of items or things I could do. I found myself in certain places like, okay, and this happened with Musty too, is, okay, I'm just going to sit here, I'm going to play whatever tune it is until I get the right one, or I'm going to try every item until I get the right one. And there were times, and this would probably be my biggest complaint about the game, is there were times where I felt overly constrained 
not in the boss fights, but in other places where it's like, why isn't this working? Why do I use a bomb to open up this hole in the ground, but this hole in the ground, I have to use uh, the Song of Storms or something. And so there were times where I felt like it was just try everything until I got it to work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I think, you know, obviously that was a, some of that's constraint to the technology and some of that's just the design. But uh, I, I, yeah, I could totally see that. And I I do think the, um, the one thing that we're kind of arriving at here is that like this is just a, especially for the time, an incredibly well-designed game in terms of like how it feeds you information and how it gives you hints and it, it almost reminds me I don't know if you guys watch James Bond movies but like especially some of those classic ones where it's like Q shows James Bond a gadget that really would only ever have one context to use it in and by the end of the movie Bond finds himself in that context and it works like that's the way a lot of those dungeons were designed where it's like you need to shoot an arrow through this flame to light something on fire on the other you only right. do that one time but you, you have to do it and we're going to show you how you know, there was one point in my playthrough where I had done that thing, right? And I shot an arrow through a flame to do something. And then I got to, and I, we were, we're okay talking about a little bit of spoilers, right? We got to the ice cavern and there's a blue flame and there's something on the wall or something. And I'm like, okay, I know exactly what to do. The game taught me. I'm supposed to shoot my arrow through this blue flame and it'll do what I need to do. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, no, no. that didn't work. Uh, it's a completely other kind of puzzle. So, um, and yeah, I know one. that I know that there is a way to beat the forest temple boss that isn't tucking myself into a corner and shooting the hook shot at it every time it comes through because there's that one corner that it won't hit you ever. I know that there's a way to do it. I know that that's like a cheesy way to do it, but I have no idea because that is the only way I beat that boss. And it took me hours to figure it out the first time because there's no internet. There's no internet that I can log on to that tells me how to do it. So I had to like figure out how to beat that boss because it that boss to me is unintuitive how to beat that mm. are you talking about ganon or are we talking about uh the, it's the phantom queen? ganon right phantom ganon yeah yeah, yeah. In, in the in the forest temple so I could not figure that boss out until i found out that i could tuck myself into a corner and i know we're kind of skipping around the story but you know i yeah. don't think that's important at all the, the main story is you know there's ganon he's bad there's Zelda, she's good, and you know, Link teaming up with Zelda, you will eventually team up to beat Ganon. I, I know there's more story to it, but play for yourself. You know, it's it's not the most overly complicated story, but I, I just want to say, bringing up that point, since you're talking about temples, I, I, I kind of want to shift to temple talk because uh, now that you mentioned the forest temple, that one I think for me as a kid was the most probably difficult out of all the temples in the game. And I, I, lo I love the battle with Phantom Ganon, too, because it kind of is a prep for the final battle. And it, it throws it in kind of early, so I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm fighting Ganon right away, and then you find out it's a fake and whatnot. But that one, I remember really, that one and maybe the Shadow Temple. I know people people have their gripes about the Water Temple, and to me, that's just because it's the longest temple in the game. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit I got lost on this playthrough, too, because I completely ignored... The platform rises in the, the first area where you rise the water up uh, in the middle section tower where you keep going up to raise the music and you know, play the music to raise the water. And I forgot that the bottom pillar rises and you got to put the steel boots on to go back underneath it and there's a key underneath there. So I was just circling for like an hour. I'm like, where am I going to go? I know I'm missing one key here 
and I can't advance until I get this one key. And that was it. So I, I, I've never found that level to be very difficult. It's just the longest one, in my opinion. But the Shadow Temple with um, the Redeads, as for, for creatures, I don't remember the Redeads, but they're like the brown zombies that, that scream and you're locked in the place and you yes. can't move. The most I hate those guys. I hate those guys, and I hate uh, the like likes because they'll you know absorb up if you die or every you might have to go back and buy your shield again. Like those guys and the mummies are kind of just knockoffs of the Redheads because uh, they do the same exact thing. Uh, but those also those white creatures that won't come out of the ground until you let their hand grab you. And then it's the same scream effect comes out and they slowly walk to you like this, basically, and, uh, with their hands in the air. Oh, and eventually yeah. their jaw opens up. It's even to this day, it's still really creepy for, yeah. for what it is. And that like the Shadow Temple still to this day kind of like I'm always like, all right, it's the Shadow Temple. Brace yourself. Uh, so like the Shadow <laughs> Temple is one of those ones where I'm like, it's it's me because it, 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 it got me from the time. So it's got its teeth still in me. Yeah. But I like. Those those two I think probably stick out the most for like I would say if they were the most challenging in my my opinion. How about you guys? You know, for what was the most I guess difficult temple for you guys? If you can, if you remember, or which one would you say was the one that caused you the most grief, or which one was your favorite? So the temple that gave me the most grief was the fire temple. Water temple's fine. Fire temple. There is a jump in the fire temple, and we could not figure out which corner you had to jump from and it took me like three days and i could not i i i was walking around the fire temple and i couldn't figure out that automatic jump and i was like what what, what are you supposed to do now what is this uh and it turned out to just be like a jump off of a corner of a ledge onto another ledge and then you're through it and the fire temple's easy but <laughs> Some of those jumps, that jump in particular, that was one of those things where, like, the game didn't tell me how to solve this particular puzzle. Jumping is not a thing that occurs so frequently in the game that, you know, you can figure out exactly where jumps happen from all the time. And there's lava there, so you're like, oh, I'm just going to fall off of this ledge into the lava. So I don't know if anyone else had this problem. It kind of looks like from your faces that maybe you didn't. Uh, but that one really got me for like three days. Forest Temple is my favorite temple. Uh, that one's just so atmospheric. Kind mm -hmm. of is very organic about how it works and what's happening in there. But I hear the gripes about the Water Temple and I don't really have them myself. I, I like the Water Temple. I like how secluded and empty the Water Temple feels. I think I went back and looked through some of the levels last night and I, I think I decided that the Probably the Shadow Temple was my least favorite. I found some of the things in there to be more annoying. I'm not sure if this is the exact one that had all, if, or if it was the um, the well or not, but one of them had a lot of pits that you were falling through. Anyway, uh, the Shadow Temple, I think, was, I, I don't know if that's the one, but I, that one definitely was was my least favorite. And those, those creatures that you were talking about, Ryan, with the hands that stick out and they're grotesque looking those are probably my least favorite but i'm gonna i'll, I'll be a con I'll, I'll go counter to what chris said and say i think my favorite was actually the fire temple and I, call me a slow learner if you want but the reason i think is because that's about the time where i finally felt i get this game 
now maybe I had just been playing it slowly. You know, I had been playing it an hour or two here and there. And so up until that point, I wasn't playing, you know, in, in big sections. Um, the Forest Temple, I still felt like, okay, I'm not, I'm not quite getting not quite getting everything. I struggled with the Forest Temple for a long time. When I got to the Fire Temple, I feel like I finally understood this game and I had, had a lot of fun with it. And that's that's where I really started to accelerate my playthrough of the game because uh, I felt like it went from something brand new that I was unfamiliar with to, to uh, um, understanding the game. And I don't know if that's something that everybody, I, I experienced that in every game where I feel like there's a part where, okay, I'm just playing this game, it's all brand new. And then I'm like, okay, this is the meat of the game. This is the heart of it. And uh, that's that was the fire temple for me, and that's when I really started to uh, to enjoy the game. I, I think I'll go counter to what you said, Eric, and say that I think my favorite was the shadow temple. Oh um, boy! But I, I think it was really more, but just about the aesthetic of the temple. Like it was creepy, and there was like big blades everywhere, and guillotines, and weird faces on the wall, and it just you know it was dark and creepy, and actually felt kind of actual, like an actual dungeon, and not. You know, it wasn't based on an element. It was just like everything here wants to kill you. And I just, I, I don't know. I Maybe it was just my angsty teenage timing on playing <laughs> that. You know, listening to a lot of Breaking Benjamin and playing the Shadow Temple. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I love the way that looks. It was, it was like a, you know, a little horror movie within uh, Legend of Zelda game. And I thought that was pretty cool. Let me ask, uh, at the end of the Shadow Temple or near the end of it, you have to get on this boat. Yes. You, you sail down the river. And I'm like, okay, no no problem. And then they throw two skeleton Stalfos yeah. or something on you. Yeah. And then I'm curious. I, I don't know why. Just the first time you guys played or this time that you did you play, right at the end they say, oh, the boat's sinking. Jump off. Yeah. Do you guys get that the first time? No. Or did I, does it, did I, I mean, she's like, oh, the boat's sinking. I'm like, yeah, I haven't killed these guys over here yet. And all of a sudden I'm dead and I got to do the whole thing over again. Even on this play, even on this playthrough, I, I forgot about it. Yeah. I forgot. Cause I was like, it just pulls up and it stops. I forgot at the very end. Cause it's got, it's kind of got like, like square wheels. It keeps going up and down, up yeah. and down. Cause it's on a track, yeah. kind of like a roller coaster. And basically, you know, it's a slow path back and forth and you have to wait to fight those scatulas or. Stalfos, it was the Stalfos. I don't know right? what they're called, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I'm like, okay, and Nelson, so I'm like, oh, I forgot all about this. And then there's um there's a bridge you have to cross the next side over. Um yeah. and it's if you have the fire arrows, it makes it a lot faster path because you can just shoot the fire arrows at the bombs and it blows up. Yeah. But there's actually another way around to the door that I completely missed on this playthrough. Because really? I was I remember I was like, I can't open this door. And then eventually, I mean I eventually found it, but I remember I think I was just going back and forth back and forth until i discovered i'm like oh there's a door and eventually then you can go to the top and it makes your life a little bit easier if you did the um scarecrow song you oh, unlock yeah. there's one little side quest where you go meet the scarecrows and it makes your life a little bit easier you'll there's your friend navi always will kind of point to a general area with a little should be highlighted in green kind of like hey and you might wonder how can i get to this area and it's generally the hint to play the scarecrow song yeah but uh it's the thing that's about this game. Navi's a, a good hint. If you're generally stuck, not, you know, like you won't can't figure out a puzzle. Sometimes Navi will be like, "Hey, wouldn't it be weird if the song of, of Storms played here?" You know, it's kind of always kind of like, "Yeah, well, I guess that's you know." Or a hint to like, "Boy, I sure hope it doesn't rain in here." Or something like that. You get like little hints like that, and we're like, "Oh, okay." And then you play it, and there you go. You're destroying a windmill. But um, 
no, I, I'll say back for my spirit temple. I want to say it's might maybe is probably the spirit temple. And after playing this run through, uh, I guess I kind of like the fact that you it, it's kind of going back and forth a little bit. You have to start off as a kid, get the the silver gauntlets so you can lift, you know, I guess some rocks so you can get through the holes. Yeah. Uh, and then you go back as an adult and you have to, you know, you have to beat it that way. And I really enjoyed the fact that the boss fight too in that temple was, which is Twin Rova, which is, it's two witches, one's fire, one's ice. And you yeah. have to use their powers against each other and eventually become one creature themselves. It's the same kind of general battle where you use your shield at the time because it's your item in the temple uh, against them. And uh, I kind of love that the final battle after you defeat them, they both die and they have like halos above their heads and they're like, Hey, you look kind of funny. It looks like, you know, you kind of, whatever, just a, I don't know if they say you have a halo above your head, but they, they both are dying and they're rising, I guess, to heaven, even though they're, <laughs> they're bad. Um, but I, I guess that's probably, after probably this playthrough, I want to say it's probably the spirit temple. Uh, it maybe has to do with that whole area where you go through the Grudo Valley. And that's probably my favorite track in the whole game, too. And we'll probably come back to music here shortly. But, um, I know it's you have to do that whole little trial and everything too um, to get through to get to open the door to uh, the path. But I remember there was and it probably was in one of those April Fools editions of EGM or something like that. And at the time, those probably were coming out two months prior to April, so I was probably getting in February, not thinking anything of it being an April Fools issue. But there was one game magazine that said there was a hidden temple in the game that you didn't need to beat to beat the game. It was just an extra temple and it was called like the Sky Temple. And I, I think I later read that it maybe it was removed for hardware limitations or it just wasn't finished so they just cut it. They said, no, we don't, we have enough of this game. No need to do this. But it was like, it was teased because there was images for it in this magazine. So that's what made me really believe it was there. You had to if you remember how to get to the spirit temple, you have to use the lens of truth to follow a ghost and it'll lead you through the desert storm to the spirit temple. It, it gets, it gets to a point. They said like, you have to ignore it at one of the pillars and you turn right. And then you keep going straight. And I'm like, I, I must've spent like three hours trying to find this temple. It's like a glitch and it was fake. It was just all fake. Uh, which made me like all excited for the master quest re-release because I thought this has got to have that spirit temple in it. It doesn't it's just all phony i didn't find out, out until like years later it's just one of those ones where i'm like it's got to be a thing and it's a glitch or something no it was it was just made up so mm. yeah <laughs> do you guys have any favorite boss fights from the game by chance from one of these temples i like the witches i thought that was a neat twin yeah. uh figuring that out the combination of you know what, what you had to do you know, I'll say probably Bongo Bongo again too, which is the that one. That one gave me a little bit of trouble though, as a as a kid, and it's because you know it's got the two hands. He's playing the drums. You're you're on top of a drum, right? And it's battling you, and eventually you have to get him to open up its eye. But like, those are some ones that really want um, Phantom Ganon. There is a point when you fight Shadow Link in the water. And, oh, yeah. yeah, and to me, that is the best boss fight maybe except for ganon at the end but to me that's like the best boss fight because it's the most challenging boss fight with the sword play and yeah you know holding up your shield blocking stuff hitting him again 
I find that uh, my major criticism of Ocarina of Time is that it's from a fighting standpoint, maybe not as challenging as I would like it to be. It's it 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 is like Eric said, kind of more of a puzzle game. Once you figure out the way to kill things or fight things, absolutely, uh, yeah, you know it forever, and you can never go back to that point when that when that Skulltana, when that big skeleton kind of spider thing is challenging anymore. That's no longer challenging. That's not a challenge anymore. But like Shadow Link is always kind of every time I fight him, kind of interesting. It's an interesting fight. I can totally see that. Yeah, that was. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The bosses tend to be puzzle based. Once you know how yeah. to solve them, there's not a lot of skill. And I can say that because I don't have a lot of skill. But that <laughs> that link that link fight that was one of the true fights where this was a skill based. Uh, a, I think a skill based uh, thing. I, I struggled with that one. That was probably and bongo bongo those two were one of the two toughest uh fights for me and because link was so skill-based i think my my favorite was um i don't know just because i think timing wise i had just seen the abyss the james cameron movie so morpha from the water temple just i really love the the idea of that and plus you know I love the hook shot. Anytime I got to use the hook shot, it was a good time. And I think the other most memorable was Bongo Bongo, just because that was such a, it was just weird and, and cool. And, you know, I think that one took me the longest to kind of get, get down. You know, one, one thing, I guess we can maybe shift to the, maybe the Ganon fight too, because I wanted to bring that up. The final Ganon fight, uh, the, his final form, because you find him a couple, a couple, he's got a, a few forms here. But I remember. I think USA Today kind of maybe wrote an article about this, but I remember when you finally stab him in the head with a sword, that was kind of controversial because it, it goes from being kind of like, oh, cool, and then eventually there's blood, you know, like you're slashing. And I don't know if this was edited out in later versions, but at least on the original N64 version, there's like, he's slashing and hacking away at its face, and eventually stick the, the sword in his face. And I kind of remember people were like, oh, this is kind of uh, a little grim, but I just remember that was kind of taking me back. I, I uh, I know some people. Uh, I think maybe it's one of the things you got to realize too. Like the game, almost all—it's very fair. It will almost always reload in a boss fight. Reload like ma give you the item that you need to beat the bosses too. Yeah. Uh, in particular, that fight too. Like there's the walls that are there. So he, like if you go behind the walls, he'll knock down the walls and he'll give you some more items like arrows or magic or bombs yeah. or deku nuts so like those are you know like here's everything you need basically you're never at one at one point effed you know against any boss in the game they almost always reload everything for you so yeah that that kind of touches what makes you know a game stray from being just a frustrating experience to being you know very well done and polished and well thought out but i appreciated that what I always like the most about the Zelda bosses in Ocarina of Time is how they tie into the major theme of the game, which is, you know, music. So you've got the Ocarina, music is throughout the game, you're learning songs, and then kind of every boss fight, for the most part, is musical, especially the Ganon fight at the end. Like, there's a rhythm to everything you're doing. He shoots at you, you kind of have to wait your rhythm and shoot it back, and then, like, it's an exchange, it's like playing tennis, but... Like a lot of the bosses are rhythmy, and it's all tying into the major theme, which is music. Yeah, it's it's kind of like with the you know the game forces music upon you too because you have to yeah. play this almost you have to play almost every track. 
uh, not almost, I would say probably 80% of the tracks you probably have to play. So I think that's so another reason why with the music, like, another reason why I like this game is that like I know all these tracks because I played them a whole bunch of time with the C buttons, which I yeah. think is C and <laughs> A, you know, uh, button. But yeah. it's it's definitely the games, the songs will get burned into your head by constantly playing them. And I, I think that's another reason I kind of enjoy because they're all good too. It's not like they're terrible. Uh, they're, I think they're, it's very memorable. And I remember I, I did end up buying the soundtrack, I think from a Target many, many moons ago because Target actually sold the soundtrack for this game. I know I was watching it. I think either Eric was watching me stream or I was watching his stream when we we're talking about the Fire Temple because I think, I don't know if it's a neat little feature, but they, in the original release of this game, in the Fire Temple, it has a different song than later releases of this game. And even on the N64, this was edited out, like on the Player's Choice Edition, which is what Eric was playing on. There, because there's three releases on the on the N64. There's the gold cartridge, there's the gray cartridge, and then there's like the Player's Choice. I I, I think even before Player's Choice, I think it was released on the gray cartridge. I I got the gray cartridge at launch because I didn't pre-order the gold cartridge. You, I think if you wanted the gold cartridge in the United States, you had to pre-order it to get the gold cartridge Zelda Zelda cartridge. Mm. Um, so I didn't. I picked it up at KB Toys. That year it came out, so my version has the original tune for it. And the thing about it is it's it's got some kind of Islamic chant in it that says like Allah or something in it. And Nintendo, which does not like to incorporate religious symbolism in their in any of their games they um they removed it they didn't want to offend anybody and it, i guess it wasn't like public outcry it's just that they they realized that where they got the music from what's it called they didn't realize that i think it was in there so they kind of were like oh just you know cut it out and i think they ended up on later releases just kind of doing a remix of the shadow temple song or a different reversion version of it so depending on the version you have um you can either have the old version or the new version. Yeah, but, I remember seeing something about that because they they had like sampled something from like this big um, sound effects uh, like digital library that you could buy like on you know one, one of the sound effects designers or composers was using like this bank and that was like in there and they just didn't didn't realize it when they put it all together and then came upon it later Jake do you have a favorite track from the game a um, couple of them that stick out to you a Song of Storms um, I really like that one um, actually, I think that is my favorite one. I think, you know, it's just, it's memorable. It's cool. Honestly, there's, there's no bad ones to me, but I think that one sticks out the most. I'm going to probably double down with you and say that one's probably my favorite track as well. I've heard a few really good remakes of it and, you know, people covering it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there's an, at least another track that it really stands out to me. That's not just a temple song either. Um, it's like one of those ones you have to play. 
but the Song of Storms is definitely always one that always comes back to me. And it's mostly because there's a t-shirt out there too that um this is called Make It Rain. And it's just A down <laughs> A down C up C, A down C up C on a music sheet. So I always kind of wanted to get that shirt. But I, I I truly do love that song. Well, I'll I'll mention one, and that's the Gerudo Valley. I think that's catchy. And, I, and if I can, I want to tell a weird story about that. Um, are you guys, there's, there's a website called OC Remix where uh, people will do remixes of video game songs. And uh, I happened to download one for the game Nier, another Cartridge Club game. And I've been listening to that for a few years. And apparently in that game, this is something common on OC Remix, they actually mixed in Gerudo Valley from Ocarina of Time. It's like melded into this near song and so i was really familiar with this tune and i'm when i get to the area i'm like why do i know this i've never played this game before but i, I really knew this tune and it's because i had been listening to of all things a near uh soundtrack that happened to have that mixed in so i don't know whether that's just the weird association or not but uh i always enjoyed that uh, gerudo valley uh, that tune and and so i'll i'll second song of storms that's that might be my favorite uh in, in the whole in the whole game and I, the game itself had really good music i was really surprised i maybe this is common knowledge to everybody but uh the whole soundtrack was pretty good mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's a staple of the zelda series for sure is the the music it's a it's a really big part of that franchise i know eric i know you mentioned near there but i remember even thinking while i'm playing near back from when the cartridge club played it a few years ago i mm -hmm. felt that that was a zelda like game a lot too i felt it was very especially the first one um felt it was very much influenced by ocarina of time but the open fields there's like this giant open field area in the game and the music that's true yeah, yeah. maybe that's why that guy uh, the composer mixed those two together hmm. but I, I mean look it up yourself there's a, there's only a couple of near tracks and one of them has the gerudo valley theme uh, uh included in it gerudo valley is definitely one of those themes that also really sticks out to me now that you mention it it's on the tip of my tongue uh that one's also like if you ever seen like the zelda orchestra like that with an orchestra it's even better chris do you have a track uh song of storms is great i really like the music in the ganon boss fight i think it's sufficiently epic by the time you've got there especially after the like his final form Final form music is like completely epic. It it fits the moment. It is a complete sum of the game up to that point. It is the biggest thing. But also, I really like the Temple of Time music. Mm -hmm. 
first time you kind of walk into the temple of time and it's that like it's it's that uh it's that low chanting uh coming from people who are not in the temple of time so like where is this where is this chanting coming from and yeah how you how it sometimes references back throughout the game and you have to play the temple of time music and it's always it's it's always a cool moment when the temple of time music comes back because that's like a big time travel moment I'll also say I really like the fact that playing the temple song will warp you to that temple, so you don't have to keep walking all that oh, way. Yeah. Everything. It's a nice little shortcut where you can go back and forth, either Temple of Time or go to like the Forest Temple if you if you if you just want to backtrack for a little bit. Um, one thing I, I I guess it goes back to another puzzle related thing is the um, Saria song. Like uh, mm-hmm. if you go through the Lost Woods, the way to find her because it's every like you'll constantly keep getting kicked back to the uh, beginning of the forest if you don't know the pathway and the everything almost always looks the same for that you have to use like your ears for that for that pathway because it's all you have to listen for her song so everyone has like the loudest volume of her song playing out of it that's the 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 tree path you'll walk through to continue to get to to eventually find her well eventually find the forest temple i just think it's like the way this game uses music is fantastic Mm mm-hmm do you guys? I know I mentioned this earlier. Did you guys have any um, side quests that you remember that were really memorable for you? I know I mentioned fishing earlier. I really enjoyed that. There's you can go hunting for big poes in the field, getting opponents in a side quest because you don't need to get opponent for for the whole game. But it's kind of implied that maybe you should do this even in the opening menu where you see Link riding on the horse. Do you do you guys have any side quests that you recall doing that you really stuck out to you? Well, I, I tried to do the, the gold, uh, how do you pronounce it? I pronounce it Skulltulas, Skulltulas. I think a lot of this game is into your interpretation because I always hear people even call it Ocarina and Ocarina. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of it's kind of like, how do you pronounce it? Well, it's it's not wrong, I guess, but... Uh, so I did I did the Skulltulas and uh, I kind of knew that that was a thing. So when I started the game, I had put on my phone a little note and I wanted to make sure that I recorded every one that I got because I knew that with a hundred of them, I'm going to miss some. And by playing other games, just by being a gamer, I know that I'm going to get a bunch of these and then I'm going to give up and go to a, a strategy guide and then waste my time going back to ones that I had already collected. So I'm like, I'm going to write down every single one that I got. And I ended up getting close to 80, but I did not get all of them. That was fun. Again, I guess it wasn't so fun that I wanted to do it all. Um, and I did, I, I actually, towards the end of the game, did several of these. There were some that I skipped because I know I'm not going to be able to do it. They were skill-based, like uh, horse archery. Uh, there's no way I'm doing that. But uh, let me ask about one or two, if I can. The masks, I, I did that one, and I got the Mask of Truth. But then I was like, I don't feel like going back and finding all these rocks. And every time I did talk to one of them, it it was it was like, this is useless. So, yeah. What was your take on the masks one? I, I found that to be kind of like, okay, well, is there anything good revealed from these talking to these stones? I, I can't recall. You know, yeah. honestly, I, I, I didn't do it this time <laughs> because I don't remember them stick, you know, being really memorable. Um, okay. I, I just remember a couple of them. I thought, and maybe this is because this is maybe related to Majora's Mask, that I thought after completing it, the bunny hood gives you faster speed, but that's just in majora's mask that makes you run fast because there's not really there's no horse riding so they kind of figure out like here's a faster way to you know get through the land is put on the bunny hoods so you can run faster 
yeah, because I I did it with the with the hopes of um. Do you get a piece of heart after completing it? I think you might. I think. Uh, completing what the the mask, the whole mask. I don't remember all the masks. Maybe it's just the mask of truth. Probably is what it is. But yeah, I think that's ultimately it's just the reward to just get the mask of truth so you can talk to the stones. I, I don't think there's any rewards for talking to these, any of the stones. I know you don't need it to get all the pieces of the heart because I did that on this on this uh, this playthrough. That's something I almost really? do for every single Zelda game is I always have to have all the pieces of the heart. Wow. I know you don't need it to beat the game. It's just something I do. Ever since Ocarina, it's kind of set the, the template because I always like doing the side quests are not required to be in the game. It's just will make your life in the game a lot easier. Yeah. And like my favorite one, and this is probably my, my favorite side quest is the trading sequence for the Begorian sword. Yeah. Oh, talk about, I want to talk about that one. Yeah. And maybe we should talk about it right now since we're talking about side quests. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's a it's, I think it's like nine things you have to do to get, you know, to, to eventually get the sword, but it's like the best weapon in the game. It, I don't want to say it breaks the game, but it kind of does. Like you'll start just whipping through bosses like it's nothing. Yeah. Even the Ganon fight, you can't beat Ganon with it. You can beat his first couple phases with it, and it makes makes him like a chump because it only take a couple cycles through him. But um, you need to have the Master Sword eventually to kill off Ganon. Uh, it's, it's essentially makes that final fight a little bit easier because you lose the Master Sword to a point in that final fight. Yeah, right. So and if you don't have that, you're going to be like, okay, I guess I have to use Deku nuts or I have to use, you know, the spirit arrows to eventually stun stun Ganon and try to get him with maybe the hammer. But that sword, I love having that sword. And it's like a lot of it's because you need to you can originally buy it originally once from the one Begorian giant Gorian but the original Gorian who sells it to you sells you a crappy one and it breaks after like yes. 10 hits <laughs> yeah. and it costs like 200 rupees. And if you go talk to the Gorian on the top of death mountain, he says like, yeah, it's my brother. He kind of sucks at making these, uh, I'll make you one, but let's, you know, you gotta get this whole process and eventually he needs eye drops. So it's kind of like, it's, you know, like you, oh, yeah. you do this one thing to get to this thing, to get to this thing. Uh, I gotta go talk to the, the Zora, the Zora King who's frozen. You gotta go and freeze him. And then you gotta go, um, What's called get, like gives you a frog, which you gotta take that into Lake Hylia with the the doctor there, and you have a time limit to make it there, so it makes your life a little bit easier. You can't warp. You yes, can't warp because you can't the, warp. That's right. they yeah. figure that part out. They, yeah. they get you up if you warp. I'm like no problem. I'll just warp over there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nope. Uh, it makes it makes having a pona a lot easier. Yeah. But it's the best weapon in the game. I I, I can't emphasize it enough. It's something that I always do when I play this game. It doesn't take too long. Like I know I mentioned it's like nine side quests, but it's so rewarding to have this. It's it's like a reward for doing these nine things. And that it's it's not I don't think it's very challenging. It's just yeah, it's busy work. It's busy work. But yeah. I, I, yeah. I did want to mention how it you said at the end that the the the, the battle with, with Ganon at the end, or Ganondorf, I forget which one which, but but I I was when I was watching Musty play, you know, he didn't have it and I think um, it makes doing the back and forth, the tennis thing, a little easier. At least easier for me. I'm like, well, maybe the sword being longer, you, your timing is a little bit more open. But it's the part where you lose the master sword. And I'm like, no problem. I'll just switch to this yeah. other sword. And then when Musty was playing it, I'm like, I don't remember having to do all this stuff. And it's because I had this other sword. So it made the that fight kind of, uh, it kind of reduced it to being pretty trivial, actually. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I'm glad I did that, and uh, I wouldn't have done it. I probably wouldn't have done it, Ryan, except uh, Melissa was watching your stream, and she said, hey, you know, you can you can do this trading sequence, and it might be worth your while. And I'm like, okay, well, because I was still stuck on the chicken or whatever it was. And so I, I did I did end up doing all of them, and it was it was worth it. And I enjoyed all of these side quests. I, I did quite a few of them by the end of the game, and uh, it was yeah. well well worth it. Nice. A lot of flavor in those characters and those scenarios uh, that I think rounds out the world. It's a little bit of comic relief here and there. And um, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, I think didn't the trading stuff start in um, the Game Boy one? Um, you might be right with Link's Awakening. I, Link's think, Awakening. I think you're right with that. Um, because I know there was a big trading sequence in that as well. There is. Now I, now I just remember it because I just beat uh, Link's Awakening remake earlier oh, or nice. last year, basically. Yeah. Mm. But that, yeah, that, that's also in the original Game Boy one, too. It's just yeah. I forgot that whole process. Yeah. Completely forgot about it. So, yeah, you're right on that one. I was going to say, you know, like, I, I was with you, Eric. Like, I've done the 100 Gold Skatulas, and I think the final reward for that is not important. I think it's just like 100 Rupee, I think, like the final one. So it's kind of like. Oh, yeah. Everything that's like, I think as long as you get 50 rupees or 50 scotolas, yeah, you have everything that's good that comes out of that thing. Like, you get the giant wallet, yeah, you get a piece of heart, which you need for the uh, if you're going for all the heart pieces. It's, it's, I think that's essentially just get the 50, 50 gold ones and you're good. That's where uh, I love steam, yeah. Once I got yeah. the 50, and I was like, well, the others I just happen to come across. Mm -hmm. I don't, do you guys consider going to the great fairies side quests or? <laughs> I mean, like you have to discover them, right? And then you play the Zelda song, and they come out of the water. Let me. Can I ask about that? Because yeah. I, I was telling Melissa the whole time, you know, this 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 dungeon, whichever one it was, whatever temple, what any of them, shouldn't require. So there's two things that I, I noted, right? There's the fire magic, okay, which, as far as I could tell, is optional. You don't ever have to find that fairy. You don't have to get that stuff. And then there's the fire arrows, which is the one of the ones that's the most op most direct to being informed about at least whether you can actually figure out the clue or not is one thing but i had thought up to a certain point that the fire uh either the fairy magic or the arrows were uh optional are they because there was one dungeon or something where it's like you know what i think i really need to have the fire here to proceed so are yeah. those things optional or i or think you not? i had them and it was great but so i want to say i think for that the process of the, the shadow temple you need to have the din's magic the din fire i think you need to have it because it's that one area i know what you're talking about where it's got a, like a hundred yeah, uh, yeah hundred posts like that need to be lit so if yeah. you just drop the din's fire down it creates a giant fireball and yeah. lights all the torches which opens the pathway right. um, but you get that from a fairy right yes so they're not optional if that if that parts yeah okay well, I think one of them might be required, and I think that's the one that's first by Zelda's castle. I think that's where you get that one. I could be 100% wrong. Well, you need that, and you need the magic. Those are for sure, too, and the fairies give you the magic. Because there's one oh, fairy... Yeah. The, I think that's the one that's on top of Death Mountain is the one that gives you the magic. Right. And they tell you to go see her, but the one near Zelda's true. castle is hidden behind a bomb door or something, right? Uh... The second one for sure has got the uh, right outside Ganon's castle. It's the, the same exact. Gauntlet. It's the same exact one. Yeah, and you need the gold gauntlets to go back to do it. But there's a second one in the fire temple. That's the one that gives you the extended magic, which makes your life a lot even easier. That you don't yeah. worry about running out of magic as much. 
but you're yeah you're 100 right it probably there's a couple that probably are required one of them being and you're right they do point to you saying hey go talk to the fairy on the top of death mountain right you know? yeah you're, you're right about yeah, that. i don't know i thought they were optional but then towards the end of the game i'm like no it's a good thing that i have this magic so i don't know if i got them all but i did end up getting all the magic and the the, the double magic bar is that is there anybody else to get there's the there's the one that gives you, I think if you go and throw the pillars after you get the gold gauntlets in Ganon's Castle and you go back outside, I think that fairy adds extra oh, defense yeah. to your hearts. Yeah, I so, got that one too. Yeah, yeah. So. God, there's essentially, there's essentially, there's four, but when you, you revisit one twice, so, and she gives you different magic. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's what it is. It, the one that gives you, the one that's by Zelda Hyrule Castle yeah. is the same exact one. Uh, and she's the one who gives you the defense. I can't remember exactly what she gives you the first time. Here's here's a here's a throwaway question here for you. And it's only because I've seen I, anytime I watch people stream this, and I, I think it's just because people's style choice for the game. What tunic did you do you keep on yourself at all times? Yeah, uh, I know there's two there's like in the water temple, it's required to have the blue so you don't drown. And the same thing with the fire temple, you need to have the red one so you don't burn. But I see people constantly to stick to a color tunic after even after let's say the water temple they'll go back to the red tunic or something like yeah. that is is there is it like a i wonder if it's like a style choice because you know as a kid red's like my favorite color so i'm always like i'm rocking the red but uh there's no need there's no need it's your choice it's i guess it's your customization mini customization for this game but do you have a, a tunic you prefer wearing throughout your playthrough the red the red yeah. always just after that, the red, because it fits. It just goes well with everything. The red and the silver. This is a very, like, that choice, that the ability to do that choice is very, like, in line with something that comes out of, like, Dark Souls. You know that whole, like, fashion thing in Dark fashion Souls? Fashion Yeah. Yeah, fashion souls. Like, mm. what, what, what tunic you can pick and how you kind of customize your character and how he looks by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not too much to choose there, but, like very much in line with that like i mm. i am picking based on fashion it does nothing there's no reason to keep the red on there's no reason to keep the blue yeah. on i'm in the red yeah. i'm in the spirit temple with all this sand it just looks better with red you know it just looks better yeah there's very little red in the game a lot of the game is uh brown and a lot of the game is yeah. green so red is just always going to pop out of, mm. of 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 a lot of the environments in the game yeah, I ended up using red too, but I think that's just because I kept going back to the fire cavern, and it was annoying not to have it on. So I just <laughs> it on. yeah, and I realized I played the majority of the game after that with the red tunic on. You know, I, I don't know. It's maybe it's just uh, me. This, this is probably the game I, I probably do go with red the most. And maybe you're right about this. Maybe it's because of the heat thing, and you know, you know, have to worry about you know taking the heat or anything. But something like Breath of the Wild, I had to have the green. If that makes yeah. any sense, like to me, like I, I, I had to. Uh, I know you can unlock it with amiibo, but I ended up doing the 240 shrines because I think it's 240. Because I, I had to have the green tunic. I'm like, that's Link. I need to have Link to look like this. I can't have these weird farmer outfits. I just want my green tunic. You know, this is what it should have been the game from the beginning. So I put in the quest for it. But for this game, I think I, I think I roll with red the most. Yeah, I think I stuck with green. I'm one of those people that like I, I need my character. Uh -huh. To look like they do on the box, mm -hmm. so that, <laughs> that's just. I think I stuck with green. Nice. I think the blue is my second favorite, though. Yeah, of the three. Of the three, <laughs> red was my least favorite, but it was still a favorite. 
There's still a face. <laughs> uh, I know we've been praising this game a lot, but does anyone have any criticisms of this game? I know this game came out quite a while ago, and it's been re-released uh, on the 3DS, but does anyone have any criticisms for this game? Things that didn't like, or you know, little gripes? Uh, I've spoken about it a few times. Well, I, I've spoken about it once. I wish the game was harder. I wish the sword fighting came into it a bit more. Uh, the actual interplay, like a, a block and a, 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 a slash, maybe different kinds of slashes, you know, that kind of stuff. I wish that was more prominent in the game. I wish that had... Uh, I wish it wasn't just so easy to just, you know, whack around your sword and kill things. It's 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 kind of why I like, like something like Dark Souls a lot. Like, not more, but I like Dark Souls. And that kind of has that interplay, that kind of sword combat. But if you look at something like Dark Souls, you see very much that Zelda is an influence, especially mm -hmm. this game of, of something like that. When you talk about, you know, timing of boss fights and rhythms and all of that and skill-based attacks, uh, Ocarina of Time is obviously a big influence on a game like that. But I wish it was harder. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I feel like that it's one of those games that, um, and I, it's honestly my biggest criticism of most Zelda games is like the combat is never really methodical. It's just hit it until it dies. And, and you know, um, Breath of the Wild, I, I hate everything breaking all the time. Yeah. So like, that's sort of my, my criticisms with these games as a whole. I, I think what I would have liked in, and maybe it's, um, it kind of dovetails into what Chris was saying, but like, I think I would have liked bigger boss fights that's always a problem that i have with nintendo first party games is the boss fights are usually a rule of three or something close to that and then you're done but i, I love a long grueling boss fight and you know obviously i wouldn't want it to be too difficult and i, I know their target audience was um was much different in 1998 but i, I think that would have been cool because i feel like the combat that was there would have done better with more enemies, like overwhelm you a little bit uh, with a few more enemies if they were going to go with that combat style. But the the other criticism that I have is, um, I guess, and, and maybe it's kind of a two-edged thing because it did make me sort of dive into the lore a little bit, but just tackling all those timelines is, it can be a little overwhelming. It's neat, but, you know... I didn't fully grasp what was going on the first time I played it. Eric, did you find the difficulty to be challenging? This was your first time through, and <laughs> I know uh, I know if, if anyone's going to criticize the game's difficulty, it's going to be you. No, no, it it. I mean, look, I I'm no Dark Souls person. I, I the difficult stuff. I thought the difficulty was 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 as chris said i mean if anything you know even i didn't struggle with it too much so it must be on the easy side but uh i and i think it goes back to something i we were talking about a little earlier which is to me this game felt a lot like a puzzle game the everything's about solving the puzzles and then once you figure it out it, there's not a lot of skill to it and maybe that would you know maybe that would segue into something i mentioned before if i had any complaint about the game it's that uh, i enjoyed solving the puzzles but but sometimes I also felt like it was just a, all right, I'm just going to attack this thing from every side because I'm really not sure what to do. Um, and, you know, I've, I've seen some other people's streams and it's the same thing. 
And, you know, some of the dungeons, you know, it was about finding, you know, it was just, okay, it's just a key hunt, right? There's, you just got to figure out every puzzle until you get every key and you work your way through. And then invariably there's one that you forget. But um, I, I wouldn't call that a complaint about the game. The game is what it is. It, it, I tend to think of it as it's somewhat of a puzzle game and, and I enjoyed solving the puzzles. So yeah, I was most curious about your criticism because you're not the one coming at it from like roast tinted glasses. You didn't play it, you know, back in the day you played it. This was your first time playing it. So right. I was curious. So like what, you know, what maybe were things that stuck out to you? Like, eh, this isn't because I, I feel as if, and we only will talk about it in, you know, the community talk here at, towards the end here. But like, um, I'm always curious with how a game this old, like holds up. I've also kind of always said like, in me, I'm, I'm copying this from somewhere else. It's definitely not an original idea, but it's definitely a, a philosophy. I kind of think when it comes to Zelda games is that, um, that whatever your first Zelda that you kind of sit down and play is your favorite. Like your first one you beat by yourself, maybe is your favorite. I don't know if that, if that holds true to this. Um, it, it probably, I don't know if it does or not. It's just me. Cause it's my first one I've sat down and I beat that it sticks out to me the most that like this and I've, I've seen this with other people like they said okay i beat wind waker it's the first one i ever beaten that's my favorite zelda game you know yeah. and, you know and you can see all these other influences and all their zelda games yeah it was cool and all you know and or if you beat this other one and now you're coming back 20 years later you could say okay this was good but this is 20 years older and i don't know the other zeldas did this better but that's because they played i don't know breath of the wild or something like that and i don't know do, do you hold any brain to that does anyone agree to any of that philosophy um, I, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I think the there's a stark difference between the the three D Zeldas and the and the you know the two D Zeldas, and I mm. think I, in terms of philosophy of gameplay, I think I like the two Ds better. But in terms of like the overall package, the story, and and the final product, I prefer Ocarina of Time to all of them. But I, I think that makes sense because there's it's a great adventure and like, you know, it's, yeah, it kind of, it kind of locks in your opinion of, of what comes after because Zelda is, is one of those franchises that, that reinvents itself and remixes itself kind of constantly. So it's not like a one-to-one -one comparison to, to pretty much any, anything that comes before or after aside from, you know, a few like Majora's Mask or, you know, Link to the Past or something like that. Well, and, and here's my counterpoint to myself from before. Uh, <laughs> Zelda 2 on the NES is hard as nails and uh, not my favorite. So maybe if Ocarina of Time was harder, I would not like it as much. Mm -hmm. And that's the, and I think Eric's absolutely right. Like it's a puzzle game maybe because I want more out of this because I want to continually come back to this game because I like it so much. Uh, I want it to be harder on the second and third and, you know, play playthrough. I don't want it to just be like playing an adventure game from LucasArts now you go back yeah. you know the answers to all the puzzles so you know that like you've lost something on a second playthrough like you can notice other things but you've lost that experience of solving something yeah but Zelda 2 not my favorite so there you go <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me comment on that I mean this is the first time I've ever played this game and I know Ryan or and other people maybe they play this game once a year but I gotta tell you uh, because of the way I approached it it's sort of a puzzle game I don't know that I, I'll be the heresy. I don't know what kind of replay value this game has. I might have to wait several years until I forget some of this stuff. And I was surprised actually, Ryan, because you know you you've played this game a number of times, right? But yeah. even you were there were things that you had forgotten, right? So 
that's the point where I'd have to get to. And, and my memory isn't what it used to be. So maybe six months from now, I could uh, forget everything. But I think you kind of have to forget some of this stuff to enjoy this game again. Because once you solve those puzzles, I think the temples and the bosses, you're just you're just going through the motions because there really isn't a lot of action. I don't I don't think. Yeah, yeah just just to follow up on that, because like, there was I've told Eric this before, I think that there was a at least a 13 year period where I would play this game once a year. Mm. And just because it's, it's still is to the state of my fair game. So it's, like, it's comfort food, right? So every yeah. time I play it, I'm like, all right, I know what I got to do here. It's, it just feels good to go through the motions. And anytime I see like other games similar to this too, I'm like, yep, kind of reminds me of Ocarina of Time. And I'm like, I just kind of want that that comfort food again. I'll go back and play, go for act for another dose. But it's been a couple of years since I since I've beaten it. So that's why there was definitely some things like I used to have this whole thing memorized where I could, I I used to 100 of it. That's also because at a point in time in my life. I didn't have many video games, so I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep going back to this game that I love because yeah. it's a lot of fun to play, and I'm going to get everything done in this game. And I would. It's not, and it's one of those games, too, that to 100%, it's not that difficult. It's mm. it's really it's really achievable to do, and that's why I think I like doing it. It's not like one of those ones where you have to beat it on hard mode or you have to do it you know, to get this trophy. It's it's just like, okay, no, you just got to go hunting Skatulas. Maybe maybe because at the point in time, I, I didn't have much. So now, like, you know, it was just a reason for me to keep coming back, coming back for it. So, well, your your analogy to comfort food is probably apt. Right. And that, yeah. I didn't didn't consider that, that this would be something that would be very nice to to settle back into. And it's such a nice package. The game. I don't know how to describe it. It's such a nice, polished, complete package that uh, I, I could see that. But I think it's probably I've got other Zelda games that I'm, I'm going to attempt before I go back through uh ocarina of time again sure it jake you know i know you were just mentioning the zelda timeline and i kind of wanted to bring this up because this relates mm -hmm. to ocarina of time because going to nintendo's hyrule historia and the timeline that they generally say how all the zelda games play out with the exception of breath of the wild because nintendo is not yet set where that falls in there but there's hints pointing that it falls in line still with this i i kind of like their timeline split for it, even though it's it's kind of sloppy because with ocarina of time it all branches off after that um if you the theory goes with uh ocarina of time you win you go back as a kid because zelda sends you back after you beat the game as a kid so you can live your life and it ends with link coming to zelda to you know say this is exactly what's going to happen and it's cutscene. that's it ganon, mm -hmm. ganon does not you know take over hyrule he gets sent to prison and he gets sent to get executed which then branches off into Majora's Mask, which is a side quest game. Uh, I believe in Japan, the game was really, it was called Zelda Gaiden, which I believe stands for side quest. So it's essentially, it's a side story. And the thing is the Skull Kid that's in Majora's Mask is the same Skull Kid that kind of gyps you out of pain for the Skull Mask as part of the Mask side quest. He's a jerk in that and he's a jerk in Majora's Mask. <laughs> right. uh, so it's, it's, it's a side quest game. And then it goes into Twilight Princess, which is, I would say, if you are a fan of Ocarina of Time, I highly recommend Twilight Princess, as I see as is as I see it as the true sequel to yep. Ocarina of Time. There's a lot, lot of references back to Ocarina of Time, especially like you find out which which lady, all all the women swoon for for, for Link in this game. He is the ladies of his choice, and he blows off almost all of them. But you find out kind of in. Uh, Twilight Princess, who he hooks up with, because 
every Zelda, with the exception of a couple of them being sequels, are always like a generation apart. So they're always like a hundred years away from each other. There is like hints. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if Eric wants me to spoil for who he hooks up with, but but it's a plenty. It's it's because it's Malin from the Lon Lon Ranch because when you start off as that link, he's a, he's a rancher. So it's all these little, little things like that. And eventually you'll stumble upon the ghosts of this link from the hero of time. And like, it's, there's all these little skull kids in that game. So there's a lot of references back to Ocarina of time. And the story continues kind of from Ocarina of time. So if you are a fan of Ocarina of time, it's a much longer game. It's about 60 hours to, to play twilight princess, but it's still a very, very good game. Uh, branching off back, back, going backwards a little bit of time where wind waker takes place is link wins zelda sends him back but the timeline continues with adult zelda there's no hero of time and eventually ganon's spirit comes back and because there's no hero of time uh ganon takes over hyrule and they have to flood all hyrule to prevent him from really you know taking over the world so that's kind of where wind waker branches off and goes down that path with phantom hourglass and spirit tracks and then there's the the line where let's say link and zelda lost on that final fight ganon wins and that branches off into the link of the past um branch line and essentially apparently the sages lock ganon away and that's where that branch goes which leads to the original game zelda 2 link's awakening link between worlds so that that's that timeline but i kind of prefer the middle one the, the first one which is Majora's Mask Twilight Princess. I, I like that continuation story. And I think there's some hints in Breath of the Wild that either relate to Wind Waker and when, relate to um, the original path with um, Twilight Princess. It, it's kind of messy. Nintendo hasn't cleaned, cleaned that up yet. But um, yeah, it's. It, I think it's a little bit fun. It's a little convoluted, but it's a little bit fun with how this all kind of, the Zelda history kind of almost all relates to Ocarina of Time. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, this is one of the first, I've played the Super Nintendo and the NES one, but it really did seem like Ocarina of Time is a pivotal game in the entire franchise, and uh, I can see why now, and and this timeline just uh, confirms it, too. They, they've, it was really uh, just, what's the word I'm looking for, just really a significant game, both in terms of the game itself and the timeline. Yeah, it's kind of a hub of sorts. Yeah, that's 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 a good word for it. it it's a hub, and, and uh, I'm really glad that uh, I got a chance to play it, and now I can move on to playing some of these other games. I'm glad, though, Eric, that you did play it on the N64, though, too. Because, you know, and I know there's there's several different re-releases of this game. There's the one that came with, if you pre-ordered Wind Waker, at least in the United States, at GameStop. You got a disc that had Ocarina of Time and Master Quest on it, which yeah. was supposed to be released for the... N64DD, which was canceled. I have it on a cartridge for the N64, and it, I prefer to play it because I've tried to play it, Ocarina of Time and Master Quest with the GameCube controller, and it just doesn't fit. I need to have those C buttons. I, I need to have it, otherwise it just doesn't feel the same, you know? It, it just feels off to me. And it's because the game was originally designed for the N64 controller. And I kind of feel the same exact way about the 3DS version as well. I, granted, I've only yeah. played about the, fire, the the first temple for it. And it, I just need to have that controller. Granted, it's prettier, but I need to have that controller for, for Z-targeting or, you know, having my items assigned to it. That's just my preference for it. I know, Chris, you were mentioning uh, you wanted a harder game. Have you ever dived into Master Quest at all? No, I haven't. I uh, 
yeah, what what is the master quest and how does one access it and is it any different? So it's on the I believe you can it might be on the Wii U shop. The Wii shop, it was on the Wii shop. It might still be on the Wii U shop re- requiring it. Like I think it comes bundled with Ocarina of Time. It came bundled on like I said this this disc that came as a pre-order for the GameCube. And people have now since dumped that ROM on the internet and now they can they burned it to the cartridges so you can buy people make reproduction cartridges for this which is what i have as well then you can play it on your n64 uh granted because it's done from a gamecube rom the b uh the b button is red so it's kind of like the um game the mapping still is kind of the same but the c buttons still work out so i'm happy with that a a goes from being a blue color button to green color button and goes from being green to red so it's a little bit different i've played a couple i've played a couple hours worth of it it's essentially right off the bat as soon as you get past you gain your sword and your your shield and you get to go talk to the great deku tree as soon as you get in there that whole temple is rearranged so it's it's not only is it rearranged but the boss the enemies take a lot more hits to kill so the difficulty does spike but from the the two temples that i played the puzzles aren't nearly as good. And maybe it's just because I'm so used to Ocarina Time, but it's it's just not as fun of puzzles, if that makes sense. But it's it's designed to be like a harder mode. I think kind of, it was kind of maybe more influenced how like the original Zelda game after you beat it starts Master Quest on the NES, which is supposed to be a little bit more yeah. difficult. I guess it's for people who, who are so bored with Ocarina Time's difficulty that they, they want something else. I think you can get a reproduction cartridge. I think mine costs like 20 bucks off AliExpress. So something to look forward to if you're really clamoring to try this master quest out here. So now you heard what we were, you know, just got done talking about here. So I kind of want to bring up some community members here who've played this game with us. I want to bring up uh, my man, self-destructo, Jeffrey Hilliard, because uh, he beat this game. He, I know he's tried to beat it a few times, and he said he's always kind of lost, like, sway with it or he, I don't, I just wasn't in his wheelhouse but he decided to finally buckle down and play it but he played the 3ds version and he says it's a better game than he previously thought but it still doesn't crack his top five zelda games and i almost wonder like it's kind of what i was talking about earlier i almost wonder what what zelda games you played and when did you play this because this game is 20 years old so if this game that's this old is still fun to play i i, I think that kind of cements its place right i also want to bring up Corpse Flood Gaming, I know he's a big fan of this game, and he played along this month, and he said it's still, you know, one of his favorite games of all time, even after playing it. So, it's, I think it's still got this ways. It's got the people who, like me, who still love this game. It's one of your favorite games of all time, and it still holds its ground. And I'm, I'm glad. I, I haven't seen anybody. I don't see any re- responses saying that, you know, they did not enjoy the time of this play. So I think that kind of gives my, my theory a little bit that uh, this game still is a classic. Even if it's not your favorite Zelda game, it still holds its ground. If it's even after 20 years, it's still playable and a fun time. I think this can relate to almost any game. If it's if it's old and it's still fun to play, that means it's a great game. Yeah. Well, that's the show, everybody. But I'd like to reiterate May's game of the month, which will be Undertale. If you're playing along or just want to discuss the game with us, make sure you let us know by using the hashtag PlayAlongWithPrime on whatever social media platform you frequent. For those of you who want to get a head start on June's game of the month, we'll be playing Gears of War. Over at CC Portable, they'll be playing Fire Emblem for the Game Boy Advance. 
and over at Quick Save Club, they are playing Terraria. If you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us. We're always looking forward to having new community members on to talk about the games they love. To those of you interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. We are extremely grateful to those supporters, and if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look how you can do so at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. I want to give a thanks to our guests for being here. So, uh, Jake, why don't you tell us where we can find you on the internet? Hey, so I uh, do a podcast with uh, my friend and co-host uh, Travis. We do Polykill podcasts. It's just a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the games we've been playing or not playing or beating or not beating. And uh, yeah, you can find that wherever podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple, Google, all that. Uh, and on Twitter, I am at the McAxel. Jake, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Chris, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under a variety of names. I think my Instagram is at uh, Gerardo Christopher. My Twitter is something at it's at Chris Gerardo uh, on on Twitter, and I am the host one of the one of the co-hosts of Flock of Nerds, their podcast Flock Talk, and uh, you can find us I think on Instagram at at Flock Talk. We're at Flock of Nerds. Here, let me do that again. You can find us on Instagram at Flock of Nerds, and the podcast is Flock Talk. Chris, thank you for being here. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. This was fun. And the marvelous Mighty Q-Dog. Where can we find you on the internet? (laughs) Well, my wife, Melissa, and I do a YouTube channel called Mighty Q-Dog, and um, you can find me also on uh, Twitter and Instagram, also at Mighty Q-Dog, D-A-W-G. Eric, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle of It's Rocket Sauce. We look forward to hearing from you next month. CCU Night.